They can be brown, blue, or green. But whatever the color, without this fascinating organ, we would all be in the dark. But is the eye just a byproduct of evolution or an ingenious design by a powerful creator? We need an entire visual system, which is composed of all of the anatomical features surrounding your eye. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Proverbs 20.12 tells us, The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Although evolutionists would emphatically deny this statement, they have no credible evidence for the chance formation of one of our most vital organs. Stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as we learn about the incredible seeing eye and how it leaves the theory of evolution in the dark. Dr. Randy Galuza is Chief of Aerospace Medicine at Ellsworth Air Force Base in Rapid City, South Dakota. He says the ability to see is so complex that in order for us to have vision, we need more than just the eyeball itself. Well, if I was to tell somebody why the human eye is so special, I would begin with the eye, but I would have to point out to them that in order for us to see and take electrical impulses of light and translate those into information, you actually need far more than just the eye itself. You need an entire visual system, which is composed of all of the anatomical features surrounding your eye, and it's also composed of all of the association areas of the brain and using the visual cortex. And so what's fascinating about this is that the eye and the neurosystems and the muscular systems all operate together in one integrated fashion in order to perform essentially a very miraculous function, and that is turning photons of light into useful information that we can actually act on. A major part of this visual system is the brain. In the back of your eye, you have a photoreceptor, and each photoreceptor is capable of sensing a single photon of light. And when it does that, an entire chemical reaction is activated within that receptor, which eventually is translated into an electrical impulse, which is then translated to the brain. It gets translated into a series of signals, very, very similar to the flow of information within a computer of a series of on or off, on or off signals, which form a pattern that in the back of your brain is then translated to a chemical signal, which is then sent out through other parts of your brain, which associates that pattern, and it combines it with your memories, and that is actually what you see in your brain. Dr. David Menton is Associate Professor Emeritus at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri. He tells us that the eye is not just connected to the brain, but is actually part of the brain. This is something a lot of people don't realize, but when you look into somebody's eyes, like where you see the color part, the iris diaphragm, and you look into the pupillary area there, you're actually looking at the brain of this individual. It's the one area of our body where our brain is just open and visible right on the surface. We technically don't have an optic nerve. We have an optic tract that goes from our brain right out into our eye. And it's for this reason that no one, at least in the foreseeable future, will ever be able to do a whole eye transplant because one would cut right across tracts that do not regrow again. And when you cut across these tracts, you'd be cutting across millions of fiber tracts and 
So we transplant corneas. There are certain components of the eye. The lens can be replaced with an artificial lens. But uh, a whole transplantation of the eyeball <laughs> isn't going to happen. When you lose the eyeball, it's replaced with something called a glass eye, and that's a poor substitute, I can tell you, for the real thing. And Dr. Galuza says the fact that the whole eye system, including the brain, has to be in place in order for the eye to work is a testimony against slow and gradual evolutionary processes. The difficulty in explaining the evolution of an eye is one thing, but the fact of the matter is the eye is only one important but small segment of the system which actually allows us to see, and that includes the eye, all of the neural pathways, all of the association areas of your brain, which give you the capability to actually see things. So when you're looking at your dials right now, and when you're looking at your controls, you think that you're seeing something real in your eye. But what actually is happening is your brain is associating a huge, vast amount of data that's being brought in it's associated together, and it's putting that pattern together in your brain, and your brain is actually doing the seeing and not your eye. Retired ICR Vice President Dr. Dwayne Gish would agree and says even if the eye really did evolve, vision would not have been possible without other specific changes happening at the same time. You see, evolutionists have to imagine somehow all of this incredible complex system of the eye evolved. But they don't mention other things that had to happen by random genetic changes, so-called, you know. Evolution supposedly works by these random genetic changes called mutations. Now, if that were true, not only all of this ingenious design referred to here must have arisen by this random genetic errors, but furthermore, some ancestor had to learn how to change light that is the photons, into a stream of electrons. Furthermore, evolution by these uh, random changes, no plan, no purpose, no intelligent design whatsoever, if evolution is true, also had to create tens of millions of optic nerves. Not only that, but this random evolutionary process, so-called, with no purpose, no design, no intelligence, had to create a brain that converts these streams of electrons into an image in a fraction of a second. Because evolution cannot explain how the eye could have possibly evolved, some evolutionists have turned to ridiculing the design of the eye as being flawed. Dr. Menton explains. There's a fellow uh, who's a retired professor like me. His name is Frank Zindler. He has a website, except uh, he takes a very different tack to living things than I do. He very much believes in evolution and uh, certainly does not believe in uh, God as creator. And in talking about the eye on his website, he says, and I quote, although the human eye would be a scandal if it were the result of divine deliberation, a plausible evolutionary explanation of its absurd construction can be obtained quite easily. In other words, <laughs> this fellow, when he looks at the eye, instead of seeing something that is just beautifully designed, he sees in the eye basically a piece of junk. 
he says that the eye is so poorly constructed that if a god would have created it, it would have been a scandal. In fact, many evolutionists have made comments along the line that any engineer who had designed the eye would lose his job with an engineering company for having botched up the design so badly. But what is there to criticize about this awesome organ that allows us to view the world around us? What the evolutionist is really saying when they say that the eye is poorly designed, they're really saying this because they believe that the retina, that's the part of the eye that's like the film in a camera, it's sensitive to light, it's thinner than the thinnest sheet of paper you would normally handle, and this little thin sheet in the back of the eye, right where you'd expect to find the film and the camera, they say that God, if God were to create the eye, put the film and the camera upside down. In other words, the, the light-sensitive part, instead of facing towards the lens and where the light comes into the eye, faces away from the lens and away from the light coming into the eye. And this is actually true. When you look at the retina, at least at first blush, it appears to be backwards. But God designed everything with purpose, and this so-called upside-down retina is no exception. There's several good reasons why the retina is in there backwards. First, it doesn't interfere with the vision. Secondly, the retina is turning over the cells, the photoreceptor cells, at a very high rate. The outer segments of these cells, which are sensitive to light, turn over about every week to 10 days. And they're sloughed off, and there have to be cells that digest these sloughed-off components. And they would either have to be in front of the retina or behind the retina, so better that they're behind the retina. The other thing is these light-sensitive cells have the highest demand for nutrients and oxygen of all the cells in our body. And by having them aim towards the rear of the retina, not towards the front, this is where the blood supply is. It's such a rich blood supply, it's like a lake of blood. So that if you turn the photoreceptors around facing the front, you'd have to put all this blood in front of the retina. You couldn't even see through the blood. Furthermore, Dr. Menton says the evolutionary criticism of the retina's position is unfounded since the retina does its job perfectly. The interesting thing is it's been shown in the laboratory that the human retina is sensitive, the cells of the human retina, the photoreceptors, are sensitive to a single photon of light. You can't improve on this. This is as sensitive as it's possible to be for light. The other thing we could say is, well, maybe if the eye were made according to evolutionary design with the right side up retina, maybe we would see things more sharply, more clearly. Well, how sharp is our retina right now? The interesting thing is it's been shown that the retina is better than the optics of our eye. In other words, our limitations in seeing detail is not our retina. It's the lens of the eye and the cornea. And by the way, the cornea, that little window that's out in front that you see in your eye, that's also a lens. In fact, it's several times more powerful lens than what we call the lens of the eye. It's just that the lens itself is capable of changing focus, whereas the cornea isn't. So we have a wonderful eye. It's exquisitely sensitive to light. And it has a, a marvelous detailed uh, resolution as far as seeing detail. In conclusion, Dr. Galuza reminds us of the important truth that we not only need to recognize God as the great creator who formed our incredible seeing eye, but that we need to see him as savior as well. His power is expressed in his creation 
but his love is expressed in his concern for you and his ability to know everything about you. And what we know from creation is that we as individuals will someday stand before our Maker. And fortunately, the Bible says that those who stand before Him, who are in Christ, who have had their faith and trust in Christ, have their sins forgiven, because the Bible says that God made Him, that is Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, in order that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And that's a tremendous gift that was bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that is a tremendous gift and blessing that you can have far greater than the sight that He's given you. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.